Okay, morning, you'd like to stand and sing? These are the days of Elijah Declaring the word of the Lord And these are the days of your servants Moses, righteousness being restored these are days of great trial, of famine and darkness and sword. Still we are the voice in the desert crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun, at the trumpet's call. So lift your voice, the year of Jubilee. Science Hill salvation comes. And these are the days of Ezekiel, the dry bones becoming as flesh. And these are the days of your servant David rebuilding a temple of praise. And these are the days of the in your words and we are the laborers in your vineyard declaring the work of the Lord behold he comes riding on the clouds shining like the sun at the trumpet's call lift your voice this year of jubilee and doubt of science till salvation There's no God like Jehovah, 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 there's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. Behold, He comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, lift your voice, as the year of Jubilee, and out of science till salvation comes. Behold, He comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, lift your voice, year of jubilee and down to science hill salvation comes. please sit down well good morning if you didn't know who i am my name is ray and, uh, but most of you know me. Is there anybody visiting today? Good. That's good. We do welcome uh, Mick Griffin, who's going to come and uh, bring our word today. And some of you know him because he works for the organisation called TWAM, who we support. That's Tools with a Mission. If you need to know more about TWAM, there's a load of literature you can pick up on your way out. All right, and he'll be glad to talk to you 
about any of those things later on. I heard Liz was in the house. Is she here? I can't see her. She's going to wave her hand. I thought she'd be hiding. Good to have Liz back with us after her op. Keep praying for her. We'll pray for her later as we go. Uh, that's it, really. Um, I'm just going to say our stewards will now wait upon us for the offering. So if the stewards would like to come round now. Let's just pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we bring this small offering to you. We thank you that everything we have comes from you. You who created everything. You own the cattle on a thousand hills and all the animals in the fields are yours. And we thank you, Lord, that you have supplied all our needs. Please accept this offering and use it mightily to further your kingdom here on earth. Amen. We're going to enter into a time of worship now and sort of a, a prayerful beginning. And so we're going to start with prayer and then we'll move on. So let's pray. Quieten our hearts, Lord, we pray. Let us turn our eyes to you, Lord. Lord, we long for your spirit to move in power this morning. Lord, fill this place with your presence. May our worship be a sweet-smelling sacrifice of praise to you. Amen. We're going to sing two songs, and when we've finished, I'm going to leave space for the, those words of those songs to wash over you to impact you and we're going to leave room for the Holy Spirit to minister to each one of you. Just some words from Exodus. 
Then the Lord Yahweh came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord Yahweh. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord Yahweh, the Lord Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. So as we worship the Lord, just let these be just a prayerful songs. Let the Spirit wash over you as we sing. And we'll sing these songs as a prayer to the Lord. So let's stand and sing.
Here is where I lay it down Every burden, every crown This is my surrender This is my surrender Here is where I lay it down Every lie and every doubt This is my surrender Do whatever you want to, and I will make room for you, for you, to do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to, and I will make room for you, to do whatever you want to. you feel comfortable but just let the Lord wash over you let his spirit pour out Maranatha come Lord Jesus Maranatha come Holy Spirit come down anoint us in you we pray
And he says, be holy, for I am holy. Be still and know that I am God. Lord, we want to praise you because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as we meet and as we worship you, we know the promises that you have given us are all yes and amen to Jesus. So we praise you and adore you, Lord. We want to tell you that we love you that there is nobody else like you. You are the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the awesome God, the magnificent one. Lord, we just pour out our heartfelt praise to you now. Come, Holy Spirit, anoint us anew, we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing again. I speak Jesus. Your name is healing, your name. 
We're going to go have a, a little time of prayer now. Band, if you want to take seats, you can. So let's come to God in prayer. Lord, we long to see you move in power here today. Bring healing to our nation. May there be a revival and a turning back to you, Lord. May we see those in authority above us standing firm on your holy word, not wavering to the left or to the right, because all things in power have been put into their position by you. Send us deeper into your word, Lord, and question decrees that are passed that seek to destroy your creative order. Lord, we lift up those in our fellowship who are unwell. Lord, we pray for Dawn, who has been in hospital for months now. 
Lord, we keep on persistently praying for a miracle. And we pray, Lord, that you will heal her. We pray that the operation that is planned for this week will be successful. Wrap your loving arms around Dawn, Lord. Let her know your peace that passes all understanding. You are creator God, and you can do more than we can imagine. Heal Dawn, we pray. We also pray for Liz this morning, Lord. Thank you that she is with us this morning and that she is improving every day. Restore her strength and energy, Lord. Thank you for the surgeons with their God-given gifts and skills to carry out this operation. I'm going to leave space now for you to lift up people that you know who are unwell. I'll just leave time for you to do that. Father God, we do pray for our leadership team who are going away this Saturday to take stock, to seek your face, to hear what you have to say. Lord, be with them. Be with Danny as he leads us and for Esther, she does a part. And we just pray, Lord, that that day will be truly honouring to you. We pray, Lord, that we will come back refreshed and renewed from that day. Lord, we pray for Mike now as he brings your word to us. Help him to be bold in declaring what you have laid on his heart for us. Bless him and bless us by your word this morning. Amen. Our Bible reading, if you've got your Bibles, is in 1 Kings. That's Old Testament, if you didn't know. 1 Kings 19 and verses 1 to 18. And I'm reading from the NLT version. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judea, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, travelling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said, Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. 
Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told him, Go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazael to be king of Aram, then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel, and appoint Elisha, son of Saphat, to, uh, from the town of Abel-Meholah, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazael will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to bow or kissed him. May God bless his reading to us this morning. Amen. So Mike, here we are. Hope you got enough room. Oops, sorry, see what I'm saying? That's all right, don't worry about it. That's for a lady who's deaf. Right, okay. There we are, it's all yours. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it, it's great to come back. I think it's been about 10 years since I was here. Last time I came, you had a, a big wall here, and I had hair. The world changes, doesn't it? Never mind. What can you do? But it's good to come back and have a chance to, to talk about tools with, um, with a mission. Right, is there a clicker or do I just say next, please? All right, I'll just say next. That's fine. We're, we're cool with that. 
to talk about tools with a mission and the ministry that we do and impact we have in Africa. Now, recently I heard a church leader say something, I'll always remember, should be the next slide. She said, the church is very good at helping people who have fallen off the cliff, but we need to get much better at helping them before they fall off the cliff. In other words, things like food banks are, are fantastic and necessary, but wouldn't it be so good if people didn't need them in the first place? Now, I'm not sure quite how that works out here in the UK, but that's really what I want to talk about as a ministry of TWAM today. But firstly, I want to look at a group of young women who fell off the cliff with very tragic results, and then look at another young lady who was heading in exactly that direction, but was saved right on the cliff edge. Next one, please. But before we do so, in a nutshell, what does TRAM do if you're not familiar with that? Well, we collect unwanted usable tools from across um, the UK, donated mostly from the general public, then they then get refurbished in one of our two big centres, one obviously just down the road in Ipswich and a brand new one we have in Rugby in the Midlands. And then they're sent overseas in toolkits and currently we're sending about 15,000 individual toolkits and machines to Africa every single year. And most of those tools were going to landfill, so that's a big sustainability tick as well. And we're currently on a journey to double that to a million tools. And our new centre in rugby, which is actually bigger than our, and our place in Ipswich, is going to help us to complete that over the next couple of years. Next, please. But I want to really compare what <coughs> Tram does to what God does. Because if you're a Christian mission, you can't compare what you do to what God does, you're probably in trouble. And I think we can as we come to this dramatic story that Ray read to us, where actually Elijah comes to a point where he falls off a cliff. And in utter despair, he abandons his ministry and tells God with absolute sincerity, I can't do it anymore. Just let me die. So what's What's happened? Well, basically, we've had this incredible encounter on Mount Carmel, where Elijah has stood there alone. Jezebel, the queen, and Ahab, her, her um, husband, the king, have brought together all the prophets, 400 prophets of Baal. They've both built altars, and Elijah said, right, whichever altar burns up, that is God. So the, the Baal lot do all their little incantations, going around it, trying to get Baal to, to light the altar. Of course, it doesn't happen because Baal doesn't exist. And then, of course, Elijah just says, very, very undramatically, Lord, just come and prove who you are. And the fire comes down, the altar burns up, and what Elijah expects is that he is a hero of the day that Baal will be thrown out, Jezebel will be thrown out, the people will turn back to God. 
and his prayers and his ministry over years will come to fruition. But it doesn't happen. Jezebel is not even slightly phased that four of her prophets have just been killed and that God has burnt up an altar and, and turns around and says to him, you'll be dead by sundown. I vow it. And he just collapses. Next one, please. And he tells us, when he says, I have been zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left. That wasn't true. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And the floodgates open. As he, as he exaggerates, because he knows full well there's hundreds more, because he's been feeding prophets in, in the caves. But at this point, nope. I'm the only one left. Next, please. And what he says to us is actually quite dramatic. I have been zealous for God Almighty. I have done my best. And I have let God down. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. My ministry is a failure. I am a failure. I am the only one left. No one is going through what I am going through. No one can help. And now they're trying to kill me. I can't see any way through this. I am no better than my ancestors. I am worthless. I'm a hypocrite. My life is meaningless. Hence, it's not a surprise. He then finds it. Just take my life. I can't, I can't go on like this anymore. I have nothing to offer. I have no way back. I might as well be dead. Now, this is falling off a cliff. This is devastating. It's devastating if he just believed one of those statements, but you combine them all together, it's a life falling off a cliff. And if you've ever been there, or you are there, you will understand what Elijah is going through. Next one, please. And we'll come back to how God responds to that in a minute, but I first I want to introduce you to some young women I had the privilege of meeting in Zambia who felt exactly the way Elijah feels, who thought they had also fallen so far and done such shameful things, there was no way back that God would never help them, never forgive them, never offer a second chance. And they were part of what was called the Upimi project to receive sewing machines and knitting machines from us. And the project helps young women, mostly in their early teens, who have been forced into sex work. I can't tell you some of the experiences they shared or the disgusting things that men had done to them so young. But they all said the same thing. And the first one, next please, was Faustina. And she said this, my mother died when I was 10. And my father, two years later, I could not complete my schooling. I'm staying with my grandmother, who is very old. I wasn't doing anything but going into the bars to do prostitution. And my friend wanted me to stop. I came here, although I did not think it was true. 
but the training is free of charge, so I stayed. My grandmother is very happy I am here. When I finish here, I want to work for myself. I do not want to go back to prostitution. So Faustina fell off the cliff when both her parents died. She lost her schooling, and all she had left in the world was her grandmother, who was old, in a country that has no pensions, no social services, and who couldn't therefore look after her. So what could she do? She only had one asset, and it wasn't long before the street gang came along and dragged her into sex work to use that asset, her body. Next, please. Then I met Purit, and her story is so similar. I am 18 years old and live with my grandmother, three brothers and two sisters, because my mother died this year and our father died a few years before. My grandmother is a widow and has no income. I have never been to school. I want to learn sewing because I need to help my grandmother to buy clothes and food. And then in tears, she just whispered quietly, I want to be a good girl. And once again, it's the same story, orphaned. And like Purit, being pushed over a cliff through no fault of her own, never having been to school is incredibly rare. So that speaks of ultra-poverty and utter impoverishment. And to add to her pain, she's the eldest, so her five siblings are for her to look after. She's a child-headed family. And she didn't stand a chance. Next, please. And you can't say to her, you shouldn't be a sex worker. She knows she shouldn't be a sex worker. You've got to say, you shouldn't be a sex worker. And here's an alternative. Here's a way out. And the way out was the Upimi project, with the sewing machines, initial machines from us, said, come in here, there's no cost, and we will give you an alternative livelihood. We'll teach you tailoring. We'll teach you knitting. We'll give you a way out. And through tears of shame and tears of regret, they both also showed hope that for the first time in years they started to believe that life could get better that despite everything that had happened to them they were still passionately loved by God and through just a sewing machine a knitting machine that's going to be chucked in the skip in this country something that simple saved both of these girls from probably quite a short life of sex work. You don't live long in, in, in Africa if that's what you have to turn to. Next, please. And this is Gladys. I love this photo because it's, it's such a powerful picture of hope, the way she's actually holding that knitting machine for dear life because she knows that knitting machine is her way out. Of, of, of sex work for good. You see, they're not just tools. To us, they're just tools we don't want. Tools we're happy to give away, to get rid of, to create a bit more space in the cupboard. But when they get to Africa, they're not just tools. They change lives. And they change lives for good. 
You know, if one of these girls came to us and shared her story and said, will you help me get free of this? We would think, what is it going to cost me? How many thousands of pounds is it going to cost me to save you from this? It cost a sewing machine and some free training. And a sewing machine from the UK all the way to Africa is about £25, including a refurbishment. I would challenge anybody to tell me a better way to spend £25 than to say to these young, young ladies, that's it, that's your way out. Next, please. But let's return to Elijah. What does God do for him when he falls off his cliff? How did he reach out to him and restore him? Well, after the devastating fallout from Mount Carmel, he runs. And he runs as far as he possibly can because it, just like Faustina and Puritt, he sees himself as worthless, as someone impossible for God to love. And he hates himself. And he expects God to hate him too. It's one of the terrible things when we go through these times. We project our own feelings onto the heart of God. I think I'm worthless. Therefore, God, you think I'm worthless. I think I'm hateful. Therefore, God, you hate me. And when we go down that slippery slope, it's a devastating road to go. But he's gone down that road. Next, please. And then when he does get there, we read he sits under this, this broom tree, or broom bush, and this is a broom bush, and he just collapses down and gives up. But what happens? God comes and meets him. And what does he expect? He expects God to come and say, Elijah, what do you think you're doing? Look what I just did on Mount Carmel. I did one of the greatest miracles you'll ever see. What on earth are you doing here? You, you're right, you are a total waste of space. You're completely useless. I should have chosen someone else. You can die here. Actually, God doesn't say a word, does he? Uh, next one, please. I'm running out. Oh, no, go back one. I'm running out. I always, I always forget the slides I put in, into, into things. He doesn't say a word because Elijah is so crushed he can't take it. What he does is very beautiful. He sends an angel. And the detail, the angel comes while he's asleep and he cooks him a meal and he places it by his head and he gently says, wake up, wake up. And as he opens his eyes, there's this meal before him. How amazing. An angel. Now bear in mind, and one angel destroyed the superpower of Egypt to let the people go. One angel. Forget the fluffy little figures. This is an incredible being. He's cooking for this broken man. And the message is clear. God doesn't send an angelic being like this to cook for someone who's worthless. 
to cook for someone he's written off, to cook for someone he hates. God does this for someone he deeply, deeply cares about. And it's an incredibly important lesson, and not to belittle small acts of kindness. Sometimes actually those small practical acts of kindness mean a great deal more than giving someone you know, a long spiritual talk. Because they might not be ready for that. They might, as in here, need a small act of kindness first. And it reminded Elijah he was practically and beautifully loved. And then he goes back to sleep again because he's exhausted. And then the second time, you know, the angel wakes him up and says, Elijah, you've got to go to Mount Horeb. And he knows what that means. That's where God meets people. That's where he met Moses through the burning bush. So having physically restored him, he says, come on, off you go. Go and meet with God. Well, we'll come back to Elijah, Puritan, and Faustina in a minute. Before we do, next one now, please. I want to introduce you to somebody else. This is Sharon. Now, Sharon was ever so close to falling off a cliff. And, and in her words, she's from Uganda, she says, I was in a village suffering because I was an orphan. There we are again, loss of parents. I had no one to look after me. Ooh, ooh. I had no chance of finishing school as I had to leave when I was 13. Now, her story is exactly the same as Puritan's, exactly the same as Faustina. Her parents died, extreme poverty, loss of education, no one to look after her. She's standing on that cliff edge and she's about to fall. But she didn't. Because right at that moment when she was about to go, somebody grabbed hold of her and pulled her back. And it was the main organisation we work with in Uganda called Mindset Development. And they offered her a, a free training course in tailoring. And it transformed her life when she left with a tram sewing machine. Next one, please. And she says, I have been in my workshop for one year. The community buys from me and I have school uniform contracts. I now have a family and I can afford to send my children to school. If I had not gone to Mindset, my situation would have been very bad. And we know what that means and so does she. Three and a half thousand sewing machines go to Africa every year from Twem. It's going to get to nearer 7,000 in a couple of years' time. 250 knitting machines. Can you imagine the impact they're having? It's absolutely extraordinary. And while we're talking about vulnerable women today, it could just easily have been vulnerable young men being forced into street gangs crime. And yes, they get forced into sex work as well. Until someone comes along and says, there's an alternative. And for them, yes, what they really want, they want to learn carpentry. They want to learn mechanics. They want to do agriculture. All the other skills for which TRAM has a toolkit that we can give them. Next one, please. But what about Elijah? What happens to transform his life? I won't read all this. Well, he finally gets to Horeb. He goes to the cave and he hides in it. 
And then what happens? The Lord says, go and stand outside, Elijah. I'm about to pass by. And a wind comes. And he doesn't do what he was told to do. He doesn't go and stand outside. He stays in the cave. Then a fire, then an earthquake. And he still doesn't do what he's told to do. He still hides in the cave. And then he hears a gentle, next one please, a gentle whisper. And then he goes. So God says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And he doesn't. Until he hears a gentle whisper. Why? Because he doesn't recognise God in a terrifying wind. He doesn't recognise God in fire. He doesn't recognise God in earthquake. But he recognises God in the gentleness of, of a whisper. And he says, now God has come to pass by. It's very beautiful. It's a beautiful picture of the tenderness of God in those times when we probably think he's actually going to be most judgmental. It's a beautiful picture of God. Next one, please. And then the Lord says these things to him, doesn't he? Go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram. Anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Meholah, to succeed you as a prophet. May seem a strange way to end a passage like this, but it's about second chances. It's about restoration. Elijah still thinks he's written off. God's proved he loves him, but there's no way back. There's no way back from this. And God says, yes, there is. You go and do what prophets do. You appoint kings. There's a way back, Elijah. I'm not giving up on you. But he also acknowledges there is a problem. Elijah needs a friend. He desperately needs a friend. So he gives him Elisha to, to join him. See, God does those beautiful practical things too, doesn't he? He recognises that. Next one, please. And it so much sums up the work and ministry of tools with a mission. Faustina and Purit, they fell off a cliff. But when they fell, someone caught them. And that's a beautiful thing to do. But actually, what you really want is to stop them falling off in the first place. You want to capture them, like Sharon, just at that point. And that's what we do. With a 12,500-odd machines and toolkits that go out every year, they capture people. And they don't just capture one, because most, most sewing machines will be shared by five, six, seven, ten people. Most carpentry kits will, will train seven or eight or ten young men. The impact is enormous. And most of those, because of what's happened, will be like Elijah. They'll go back and they'll say, now I'm going to train other people. And it just goes on and on and on. But for ourselves, we see, again, two things as we draw to a close. Firstly, don't underestimate those simple 
practical expressions of love. If they're good enough for an angel to do, they're good enough for us. Never just think, oh, I haven't got the words to say. All, all I can do is offer a meal. All I can do is offer a this. It's not all you can do, is it? An angel chose to do this. And take away the wonderful truth. Whatever we've done, however far we may fall, however much we must struggle, God pursues us. He doesn't let us go. And he will restore us and give us second chances with exactly the same passion and determination he pursued Elijah. There's always a way back to God. Next one, please. So, there's lots of literature outside. Have a look at it all. We've got some calendars. They're free because at this point, they're free or they're going in the bin, aren't they, really? So if you want a calendar, take a calendar. There's lots of leaflets. There is a gift for the journey, which is all the kits that you, you can buy and send out to Africa for the journey. The journey from the cliff edge to full and complete restoration. Have a look at those. Have a chat to us afterwards. But thank you for inviting me. Thank you for listening. And I think now Alec is coming up. as we wait for Ray and the team to come. I don't know what you're doing, Alec. You're just going to give me a, ba a, a bag of old rusty tools, are you? Is that what, is that what I'm getting today? <laughs> well, I haven't got more. <laughs> and it's wonderful to be able to meet your boss. Well, thank you, Alec. It's been a joy to meet you as well. <laughs> 20, I'm not sure, 20 years wow. with Twain. And I can go back to the time when Twain was in an ordinary farm on a farm mm. at Sprocean. And I can honestly say over the last 20 years has expanded so much all over the UK. We've got a big place now like I'm up here now just to present to you a gift because this fellowship not only thinks of Twain, it thinks of others as well. Mm. So we're all part of the mission. And I would like to present you with well. that envelope and you can do what you like with it. Except going on well, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> well, well, thank you, Alex. And, and Alex beautifully sums up, Twain wouldn't exist without the volunteers and the people sharing our heart and our, our passion. We're a small charity doing massive work, and it's only through people like Alex, 20 years or more, you know, ser serving us 500 odd in the UK at the moment. And it's just, it's humbling to see the passion and determination of people like Alec and, and, and those who support him here. I know at, at London Road Baptist. So thank you, Alec. Ray. Thank you. Back to you.
Let's just pray for Twam while the band comes back up. Father God, we thank you that somebody received a vision from you. We thank you, Lord, that that movement has worked mightily. We have seen today how you've saved people's lives, that you have taken them off of that cliff face and given them a purpose. Pray, Lord, that, <clears throat> that throughout the coming years, that ministry will grow and grow and people will give glory and praise to your name. Amen. So go home, search your attics and basements, find knitting machines and sewing machines and any old tools you've got and you know what to do. Give them all to Alec, all right? So we're going to stand and sing two more songs before we go.
Lord, as we go from here, we pray you'll be with us, that you will guide us, and you will protect us. Lord, bless this time that we spent together. May we live with it throughout the week. May we remember those words, Lord, that we've heard this morning and treasure them all in our hearts. Amen.